Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. This is Megan McKimmy. And I'm Rachel Telford. So starting off today's podcast with a look at some of the grain-related headlines that are making news. Um, Grain Farmers of Ontario has announced their initial prices and the pool return outlook for the wheat pool. Now, the wheat pool is a service that we offer to our farmer members who are looking for some options in their marketing opportunities. Um, And this week, those initial prices uh, were posted online, and that gives uh, participants an interim payment. If you are looking at some different options for your wheat marketing, we do encourage you to to give us a call or check us out online at gfo.ca. And uh, we heard last week that FCC uh, announced a partnership with Do More Ag around mental health. And I think this is something we've been talking about um, a little bit over the last year uh, in agriculture in general, that uh, producers definitely um, suffer and struggle for mental health, and there hasn't previously been a lot of resources for them. So Do More Ag is a a foundation that was created to support producers with mental health, and uh, Farm Credit Canada just announced that they're putting $50,000 towards this not-for-profit foundation to help with uh, training for producers and agriculture industry professionals. So I think that's really, it's great to see them doing this, and very important right now that we're hearing a lot more about this being an issue for farmers and producers. And mental health is something that we're going to be focusing on this year at our annual general meeting in September. So we do encourage Mm -hmm. you to uh, keep an eye out for some announcements around the uh, agenda for our meeting coming up. So another thing making a lot of headlines this week has been Steam Whistle, particularly on Twitter with their rebranding and their uh, focus, their highlight on the fact that they have no GMOs within their beer. A lot of farmers took exception to that on Twitter because they're also touting their four simple ingredients none of which are GM products. Yeah, very interestingly, what they have written down here is uh, their four simple ingredients are pure spring water, select Canadian malt, European hops, and brewer's yeast. So uh, we've heard that there is some brewer's yeast that could uh, be GMO, but it's not very common. And it's interesting that their other ingredients are pure spring water and some of those things that wouldn't be (laughs) genetically, that aren't genetically modified anyways. I've never heard of genetically modified water, unless you count vitamin water as... (laughs) modified uh, all those special waters but i mean in all seriousness it brings up that whole debate about do you really need to label something as being Mm non-gm if there isn't actually uh, a gm version of that product now on twitter they did say well you know gm corn is out there and is used in some beers but they're touting the fact that they don't use corn in their beers so you know that isn't even something that that should be of concern or of issue but there's also been an even broader discussion about beer it's interesting that beer has been in the news quite a bit this week Um, and that could be some changes uh, for Canada's beer standards Um, and just in terms of expanding the ingredients that can be used by brewers uh, this has come out of the uh, surgeons of craft breweries and how a lot of the brewmasters in the smaller places are experimenting with different ingredients and different flavorings in their beer. And I particularly liked a line from the Toronto Star that said, no longer uh, would beer be required to possess the aroma, taste, and character commonly attributed to beer. Well, sign me up because I don't like beer to begin with because of the smell and the taste. So if there's going to be a beer that doesn't smell or taste like beer, you're all good. That's that's perfect for me. I mean, it's kind of like I say that I would love the snow if it fell on a hot day. So (laughs) good, but then it wouldn't be snow. So it sounds to me like uh, they are looking to um, expand markets and get new people interested in the beer market. Um, I have heard that in recent years that 
uh, beer is trailing the uh, market share when it comes to other uh, spirits mm. and uh, and wine. Yep. So this could be a way for them to get back some of their market share. Yeah. People are really into cider and some other ones right now. So maybe we'll maybe we'll see some new not so beer beers on the market. <laughs> And uh, up next on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Steve McCabe about how uh, planting went this year and how all our crops are doing. And after that, we'll have CEO Barry Senthon talking about uh, the new incoming government and some other industry news. So stay tuned. Today, we have Steve McCabe, our manager of member relations at Green Farmers of Ontario on the podcast with us. Um, And he's going to be chatting a little bit about what's happening with farmers across the province. But we just wanted to start out uh, a little bit about you. So how did you end up involved in agriculture? Well, good morning, uh, Rachel and uh, and Megan, and thanks for having me on this morning. It's it's been quite a little journey uh, (laughs) to find myself in the uh, Green Farmers of Ontario's orbit. I was born and raised on a beef farm uh, just in Wellington County in uh, what I call the center of the universe, Kenilworth, Ontario, (laughs) where I still live. We grew up with a beef farm and then we had uh, uh, cash crops as well. So that was my first foray into uh, Ontario agriculture. And from there, actually uh, went to Toronto for university and spent about uh, five or six years there. And ultimately, I had to get back out into the country. I did not take egg in school at all. It's okay, neither did I, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> I say, I think you took poli sci because I did too. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I did. Went to Ryerson and then I finished up. My, I went to uh, Ryerson too. I did not know that. See, I'm learning more about everyone at the uh, at the GFO. Uh, yeah, so I went there and then finished up my uh, course online, ath- actually through Athabasca University out in Alberta. Oh, very neat. Mm-hmm. And from there, I actually went and worked for a private HR company for a while. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) then as I was uh, perusing some of the jobs that uh, I was supposed to be selling to people or uh, trying to find clients for, um, one came across my desk and it was for a sales manager for the Western Producer newspaper in Ontario which I thought was pretty odd because they're based out of uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Not Ontario, yeah. Yeah, no. So I went for the interview, <clears throat> got the job, and uh, stayed with them for a number of years. And uh, it was a, just an incredible uh, opportunity for me as an Ontario farm boy to go out and see how uh, farming was done in Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan, and a little bit of B.C. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was. It was a great opportunity. Uh, so from there, I left and went to work for a company in Arthur, Ontario, called Copernicus Educational Products, and I was their director of sales for, I think, about three years, and uh, great uh, great company. My That's where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I, I blame Copernicus for <laughs> meeting my wife. That happens. Vice versa. She probably blames uh, her job for meeting me. Um but ultimately, I knew I had to get back into agriculture, so I started working with a top crop manager out of Simcoe, Ontario, as their national uh, sales manager for advertising, and was there for seven years, which now puts me at about 110 age-wise, <laughs> and I look it. But uh, then this opportunity came up with the uh, Grain Farmers of uh, Ontario for their manager of uh, farmer member relations, so I... I jumped at it and uh, had a great interview with Barry and Ryan Brown, and now I'm here. 
the rest is history. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so tell us about member relations. What does that mean? I, I get this question all the time. <clears throat> so I kind of have a little polished uh, uh, elevator speech. And I say it's, it's probably the greatest job in Ontario because I get to talk to or have access to 28,000 farmers um, to see what their day-to-day life is. And I try to keep them happy, so that actually gives me fantastic job security because, <laughs> as everyone knows, not all farmers are always happy at one time, at the same time. So um, I get to be the conduit between uh, our board of directors, our CEO, and our grassroots farmer members. Oh, very neat. And so I guess a little bit about what maybe what your day-to-day looks like. Um, probably not the same every day, but... Yeah, there's no shortage of, uh, of variability with the day. Like I could find myself out on a, a field crop tour with a farmer. I could be in the office here fielding calls on vomitoxin. <laughs> Thankfully, they've been low last fall. Um, or on my way to uh, you know, another farmer member uh, in another part of the province where I'm going to actually do that today. I'm going to Dwight Foster's um, customer appreciation today, but it's tomorrow. So I'm driving there today. And it's all day tomorrow, so it's, uh, I think it's his 10th Customer Appreciation Day, and he has about 700 farmer members there, so it's a great spot for me to uh, get in and engage our uh, farmer members right in their district. So So it sounds like you do a lot of traveling. Have you ever racked up the miles and counted them all up? I, it's funny you say that. I bought a new Jeep uh, two Aprils ago, and it had 92,000 kilometers on it, and I just actually turned 200,000 just last week. So if that tells yeah. you anything, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of driving with this job. Um, fortunately, I, I don't mind the windshield time. I like to see this province. That's uh, one of the huge benefits of, of this job for me is I, I love Ontario Ag. I'm very passionate about it, and I love our province, so I get to see all sorts of countryside, all different sorts of soil conditions, all the way from Essex to over by uh, where Marcus Harrell is in District 14, and then all the way up to New Liskard or Rainy River. Very neat. And we have some research days coming up. Can you tell us a bit more about that? And we want lots of farmer members to go out and check that out. Yeah, we sure do. Last year, we had our first um, farmer member research day, and we went down to um, Ridgetown and then to Cottom uh, with Peter Sikama. And uh, this was, we thought this was a great idea. Actually, Lauren Beno from uh, District 8, just a firecracker of a person, she kind of planted the seed in, uh, in our head about why don't we bring out farm, our farmer members to see GFO-funded research. Mm-hmm. Like, and having done it now, it just seems like a no-brainer, and why hadn't we done it before? So it was a real success. Um, we had 40 farmers signed up, and then it was a beautiful day, and about 20 of them showed up. So you're always at the, uh, <laughs> at the mercy of the weather. That sounds like the one year when we had the March Classic, and it was a really warm March really early in the season, and attendance was down that year because everybody was out planting. Oh, yeah, it's like an auction. Like if it's good weather, no one shows up, but if it's crappy weather, you know, you, you've had, you have hundreds of people there, so... Um, so no, it went really well. Um, having farmers talk directly to the researchers on a on a level that we don't usually uh, engage them with was uh, was fantastic. So then this year we're going to do two. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do one um, in Laura at the research station, and then we're going to go to the experimental farm in Ottawa later on in the uh, in the summer. 
Yeah, so it's a, it's a good opportunity, I guess, to come out and, and see, like you said, what w- sometimes people hear that we're doing all this research but don't know a whole lot about it. So Well, and that's the thing. Like, I get a lot of phone calls saying, like, okay, well, what does GFO do? What do they do for me? Why do I pay checkoff fees? So there's a, a, a litany of, uh, of good answers, and one of the biggest things is obviously lobbying government, getting in touch with government, making sure that they know where... We're here making sure that they know that the agriculture is the biggest industry in Ontario and trying to get out in front of uh, the MPs. And then now the, all the newly elected MPPs will be the, the big push. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people are asking, a lot of farm members say, like, what about the research? Where, where do we find that kind of stuff? So it's all on our website. Um, I would say it's a little technically heavy jargon, <laughs> uh, but they do a great job. If I can understand it, I think anyone can understand it. But to get them actually in the field, in the plots, where they can see their, um, where they they can see their dollars at work, mm-hmm. that's I think really putting the uh, uh, putting boots in the field and seeing it. It's a great idea, and I think they really appreciate it as well. And with Josh's uh, department, I Josh think is the manager of research here. Sorry, at yeah, Josh Cowan. Sorry, yeah, Doctor Josh Cowan. Sorry. <laughs> Um, with his department, I believe they, for every GFO dollar, they can leverage, I think it's another $3.56. So then it's almost quite five, impressive, bu- yeah. yeah, almost five bucks go into, uh, to research. So a lot of the time I think we do the startup funding and mm-hmm. get the ball rolling for, uh, for a lot of the research. So I think it's great as well that you're going to be doing an event in Eastern Ontario because, you know, a lot of times people might think, oh, we don't get as much attention in the east or in the north, but you've been all over the province. You've had a recent trip up north. What was it like there? Uh, it was great. We had the Earlton uh, uh, Farm Show. Uh, Victoria Berry, our communications manager, and I went up there, and it was uh, April, probably some of the worst weather I've driven through in April, but uh, but it was great. They had, um, I think they said they had almost 4,000 people through that day, and it's probably one of the biggest areas that's booming right now in Ontario agriculture and if you haven't been up there um, I hadn't been up for about 20 years before I started at the GFO and I've been up every year since I've been here sometimes twice or three times a a year and it just astounds me all the uh, opportunity that's up there and all the entrepreneurship that's up there and the the breadth of farming that's up there from potatoes strawberries to grains and oil seeds and you know, canola, everything in between. It's it's a quite an amazing spot, and it's 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 booming. That's the best way to to describe it. Um, heading over to Eastern Ontario, uh, like I said today, to see uh, <coughs> excuse me to see Dw- uh, Dwight Foster, and uh, yeah, we always hear like you know we could do uh, have better presence in uh, in the east. So we've we've listened and. Uh, we are actually going to hold um, a women's um, kind of symposium out in the east for financial, for marketing, kind of grassroots. How do you how do you do your books on your farm? How do you market your farm? How do you market the crops? Because uh, primarily, and it's a kind of a funny thing to say, but a lot of the times uh, it's the the male that's in the in the tractors, and it's the uh, the females that are making sure the books are <laughs> are, uh, are up to date and that they can afford to buy seed, they can afford to buy new equipment. And we want to make them better as well. So, I mean, not only just uh, in the fields, but uh, in the in the office as well is the primary goal, I think, of the GFO to make everyone that much better. And that's uh, along with AMI, that one? Yeah, the yeah. trade. 
uh, Agricultural uh, Management Institute and mm-hmm. the grain farmers are joining together to bring this together. And it's a two-day course um, starting on, the first day is August 21st, and then we're going to let them all digest the, the information that Rob Hannum from Synthesis uh, presents. And then we're going to go back the next week on August 28th for the second day and wrap that all up. So the purpose, again, is just to get them up to date, make sure they they know what's the most current uh, mm-hmm. form of, uh, of accounting, marketing, financial, and, you know, asking their lawyers the right questions, asking their bankers the right questions. And it's that kind of stuff that I think makes the, the farmer members all that much better. And engaging female farmer members is sort of something that we've been working on for the past couple of years. And we're actually starting to see some results of that because I know that we've increased the number of delegates that we have who are females. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I always kind of smile when, uh, when I hear that uh, I have to engage female farmers. I've actually been doing that my whole life. I <laughs> grew up with six older sisters, and I know the strength that women bring to the farm. And it's, I, growing up, I didn't see it as an issue at all. But, uh, and like I just said, primarily a lot of the times, um, the females are in the office, and, and that's fine. But we have to engage them more and bring them out to our district meetings, and that's what we're trying to do. And when I started, I think we had, I think, three or four um, female farmer members as uh, delegates, and now we're up to 13. So That's a it's, huge difference. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's going in the right direction, <clears throat> and I cannot wait until we have our first female director. That's, that's going to be a great day. That's one of the things that you see even within the broader ag industry is that most commodity boards are older men and we also have a really good engagement with our younger farmer members and we have several younger farmers on our board so we've already been successful in that area yeah i mean if you look at like you just said all the commodity boards and then you look at the gfo board of directors it's incredible to see the youth that's on our board Mm. um there's a like there's a, a just a huge segment of experience on that and it's interesting that you bring that up because out of uh, our 15 board members, six have gone through our Grains and Actions program, and that's where we really start to engage the youth that are going to be succeeding the farmers that we're kind of talking to now, or they're going to be taking over their mom and dad's farms. And uh, last year, um, Megan and I did our third? Yeah, I believe it's third now. Yeah, third or fourth, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> but yeah, it all mixes together. Um but the split was almost 50-50 between um, young uh, uh, male and uh, female farmers. So it's it's great having that uh, split. And I think it's it's working for us as, a, as an organization to engage youth. Male or female, it doesn't matter because we want to keep them involved. And just like a farm, we have to have a succession plan as well. And we are involved in uh, some other young leadership programs. Um, so we're involved in ASA, the DuPont Young Leader. Um, can you tell us a bit more about how we're involved in that? That's for, I guess, soybean growers in the States. But how can our farmer members, I guess, get more yeah. information? So we're considered, I guess, an affiliate of ASA as Grain Farmers of Ontario. Yeah, and we get to send um, a soybean farmer to their meetings and to their leadership program. Mm-hmm. So um, because of the, I guess, the, the merger of uh, Dow DuPont, it's... Uh, I've I've got this in my head because I've been writing about this (laughs) with with Steve. It's the Young Leader Program sponsored by the American Soybean Association and Corteva Corteva. Agri-Science, the Agriculture Division of Dow DuPont. Correct. 
couldn't say it better myself. All right. So yeah, that thanks is, for saying that. Okay. That's a lot better than it's my very short my one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then next year, once that merger goes through, it's just going to be the Corteva AgriScience Young Leader yeah. Program. Yeah, mm. exactly. And this is a great opportunity for um, the grain farmers of Ontario to send a candidate um, to represent Ontario soybean growers. Uh, and because this Ontario right now is the uh, the leader in uh, in soybean uh, production in Canada, we get to send one of the clients of our choosing. So we have, uh, I think it's going to open up very soon. The application is online. And we have to send our candidate down to them, or our, the, the name of our candidate down by October 5th of this year. So looking for applications. I know we're going to probably send it out on the Grain Talk e-newsletter and probably in the uh, Grain Farmer magazine as well. And we'll be tweeting about it and Facebooking it and all good oh, social good media stuff. stuff. Yeah. So what kind of, what do they get to do of their, when they're down on that program? They really get an in-depth look at American soybean production. It's, uh, it's an incredible board. Um, and they find out the best techniques, what's coming down the line, what's, uh, what's the new technology and genes. Um, and then they actually get to go to the Commodity Classic. So this coming year, it's in Orlando. So we, had, uh, we sent Ann Vermeesh last year. Uh, the year before, we sent Jeff Harrison. The year before that, we sent Jeff Barlow. And the year before that, we sent Dave McEachern, who are three of our uh, GFO directors. So it's a great opportunity. Um, they they get a lot of uh, um, media training, mm. and it's incredible. I'm going to do a bit of a shout out to uh, to Jeff Harrison because the the growth that I've seen in him just over the last year since he has gone through this program has been unbelievable. He's he's always been active at the the board level, but uh, he's now more active, and then he's more active in the industry as well. Great. And I think I have some notes here about uh, different, I guess you're out right now and doing a lot of stuff, um, visiting different farms across the province and seeing how growing's going. So do you want to, I guess, talk a little bit about what's all happening with that? Yeah. And um, it will be interesting to see the the crop growth out uh, in eastern Ontario because I haven't been out there since we kind of went through this little sort of small drought. Um, So around here, uh, in District 6, which is uh, uh, Niagara region. My district. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> and uh, in Essex, uh, District 1. They Not my district. No. <laughs> no. And Brendan would tell you that it's the number one district. But, um, I'm a little partial to District 10. So, But uh, they've been inundated with rain all this uh, short spring, and the same in District 6. Um, I was talking to Matt uh, down in, uh, he's the chair for District 6, and they got om- well, they got a little over five inches of rain last week alone. We haven't had any rain up here uh, in Wellington County for almost three weeks until um, Sunday morning, and we got about an inch and a quarter, and you could literally almost see the beans and, and corn grow overnight. It was, it's incredible. Uh, so going, uh, going out east uh, today, I'll probably not go on the 401 because you can't really see too much crop wise from there um but once i get down by uh district 12 i'll have to get on the 401 but uh it'll be interesting to see the the crops i know last year when we went to um dwight foster's todd austin our wheat uh, pool manager or wheat marketing manager him and i went out and they had just gotten uh, a night of hail so their corn was pretty well shredded but uh, still it came up 
So it'll be interesting to see what's uh, what's going on out that way this year. And it's going to be an interesting growing season, I think, because the forecast is calling for pretty severe thunderstorms and, and hot, humid weather all summer long. So hail could be an issue if we get some bad thunderstorms. Like even if you get good crop growth, could, we could have some pretty bad damage. You just never know. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And I think uh, if you asked any of our farmer members every year, is uh, is an interesting growing year. Uh, you know, uh, last year we got tons of rain. The year before that, it was a drought. It was, uh, but they always seem to weather the storm. So, whether it's weather or or trade uh, <laughs> tariffs, they seem to weather the storm. So I guess when you're out about uh, visiting all our farmer members, you probably have met some pretty interesting stories along the way. Is there any that come to mind? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, we have a program that we call Thank uh, a Farmer, and, and it's, for me it's just incredibly humbling to go out. We, uh, we pick the winners off of our Grain Talk e-newsletter, so if you're not on our Grain Talk subscriber list, I would recommend you get on to it because it gives uh, weekly updates of what's going on with the Grain Farmers of Ontario. And right now, more than ever, I think there's a, there's a bit of uncertainty in the trade world, uh, commodity trade world. So I think it's it's wise to get up to date on on what's happening that way. But so we uh, we pick three farmers in the spring and three in the fall, and uh, I'm going to be going out to Essex twice, and then into uh, District Six once, and this is kind of our way of thanking them for what they do for us and the rest of the world like they basically feed the rest of the world so I get to go out to their farm meet their family a lot of the times it's their uh, extended family like grandparents and in-laws and uh, and their workers their farm managers and I sit down with them at their kitchen table to have supper like I just if you told me when I was 20 that I would be doing this 20 years later I would I would laugh because this is like a dream job for me. So going out and seeing all these farmers, it's incredible. So uh, one of my favorite, I think, is uh, was a couple of years ago going out to District 14 to see uh, Gord Ferguson. And while I was out there, his father came in, and uh, an older gentleman, he was the first one actually to just start doing tiling in District 14 oh, wow. a number of years ago. So that in itself was pretty interesting because he still had the equipment that he used back in the 50s and the 60s. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, or sorry, the 60s and 70s. So when I was leaving, I saw, um, I would say, Grandpa Ferguson's uh, uh, car, and I looked at it, and he was beside me. I was like, what, is this real? And he goes, Yeah. And his license plate was OAC-53. And I was taken back because this was the first um, university graduate course for OAC that went through. So this guy was the alumni of the first year of OAC Aggies. And that just like the connection there is just unbelievable to me. And and it's stories like that 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 are inspiring. Like he's been at it since 1953. Like I can't imagine having a... A whole life immersed in, in what you love to do so it's great uh, and then coming forward to uh, the next couple of weeks when I go down to Essex the farm that is registered is an ostrich farm oh this is I wanted to know <laughs> I had a note that just said ostrich question mark and I really wanted to know what this was so yeah so I mean we have the best farmers in the world here in Ontario there's no doubt about that but what they are uh 
are into is, is is unbelievable. I mean, you have the pastures down in uh, in District Five that are into fruit and veg. Uh, Jason Pike used to have bison on uh, Wolf Island. Uh, the Ferguson's out in District Fourteen tile drainage. They still do a little bit of it, and then this farm apparently raises ostriches and has oh. grains and oil seeds on the side as well. Huh. So. I I can't wait to get out to that farm and take a whole pile of pictures and and get that story, um, and find out how they got got into ostriches and, and grains and oil seeds. So should be an interesting couple of weeks over the next uh, little while. You've also have some interesting stories, not just about farmers that you meet, but also those involved in the broader ag industry, like some of the elevators and like the Port of Johnston that you were at. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like you get to learn so much about the history of agriculture and also the future. Yeah, and that's a that's a great point, Rachel. We have uh, we have an, uh, a, about five different spots around Ontario that uh, Todd stores our uh, wheat pool wheat in. And uh, a year or two ago, I was at the Port of Johnson. They had a, an open house, so I was able to get down there. And that is was built, I beg you believe, back in the '30s by the federal government, and they actually sold it to the local municipality who now runs it. And it pumps about a half a million into their coffers every year. And they they probably put, uh, like GFO the, and our farmer members probably have about 20,000 tons uh, of wheat in, uh, in the Port of Johnston. So I got down there and I was able to get a tour from the two Kevins that uh, are the managers down there. And so it's an 85-year-old facility. And they're still using the hoppers. They're still using the same conveyors. Um, yeah, there's a lot more technologies, a lot more sensors, and uh, it's all computerized, but the workmanship that's there is just incredible. It's built on oak trees because it's sitting in uh, in uh, St. Lawrence Seaway, and it's really actually quite similar to the uh, uh, Cargill's port terminal over in Sarnia that we get tour um, every year at the Grains in Action. So I was actually up on the roof in Port of Johnstown, and... Uh, like it's it's incredible to be able to get in behind the scenes of what goes on. I know um, we have farmers dropping their commodities off, but they never, maybe not always get the chance to go in and see the insides of uh, of the elevators and the silos. And to be able to do that kind of like a an all access pass to to Ontario agriculture is uh, is pretty, but it's fantastic. I have a note here about coffee, crops, and donuts. What, mm-hmm. What's that? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Uh, Tori Y from the uh, Saugeen Valley Conservation Authority put this together. I believe this is the third year that she's doing it. And it is, it's another really neat outreach to farmers and uh, through a conservation authority. Mm. And they, conservation authorities and farmers don't always get along, <laughs> but uh in this in this aspect, they they really do. There's a lot of learning uh, uh, potential in. I think they have about eight or, or ten events throughout the uh, uh, summer and kind of early fall, and it's anywhere from soil compaction to uh, bees to uh, best practices and everything in between. So we usually get about uh, 20 25 farmers out. There's coffee and there's donuts <laughs> and they and they talk about crops. Um, very uh, varied subject matter as well, so it's it's always really interesting, and it's a, it's a great opportunity to come out and see uh, other people's fields and other like some of the research material that's out there as well from 
from a different aspect that uh, the GFO sometimes has a hand in and sometimes does not. So. And what are some of the other events that you're planning on going to this summer? I know we've talked before about Breakfast on the Farm, and what else are you up to? Yeah, so I didn't get out to the Breakfast on the Farm, which was just this past Saturday, but uh, Megan Clout was down in Ancaster, and that was, by all accounts, just a, a roaring success. So, so that's great. Uh, and later in the fall, actually, in September, I'm going back to uh, Dwight Foster's to his Breakfast on the Farm. He has over 3,000 head of cattle. And then he has the huge elevator out in uh, in District 13 as well. So he's again, like we were talking about the ostriches and vegetable <laughs> growers. Yeah, he's he's got a, a whole lot of stuff going on on his farm as well. So we're going to be going out there. It's going to be fantastic. But what we also do is uh, we're a big supporter, not just of our own farmer members, but uh, Ontario uh, farmers in general. So the Canadian Federation, sorry, Christian Federation. Christian Farmer Federation, Federation of Ontario, Ontario. sorry, CFFO, some, there's a lot of acronyms. Um, <laughs> yeah. They have a farming under 40 uh, barbecue season that they do this year. So um, I'm going to be going out to Flesherton, Ontario, where their first one is. And then I think Brianne or Megan are going One out, of us might yeah, will be there. <laughs> in, uh, in Grand Valley. And this is another great opportunity. This is how they um, recognize their, their farmers that are under 40. And a lot of their members are our members, so it makes sense to, to support them. I mean, Ontario beef farmers are, are supporting it as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, farming is farming, ag is ag, and we're uh, we're all in this together. Well, I think we're going to probably wrap this up. Um, thank you for coming out. So you are on social media a lot on the Twitter machine, the tw- as yeah, I've heard what. you say a few <laughs> times. Um, I think you're sharing like lots of, I guess, events that you go out to and stuff that farmers um, should might be interested in attending themselves. And I think that's that's a good way to reach out to you, probably. So where can f- people find you? What's your handle? Yeah, your I'm Shadowless seventy three, and that just comes from fishing. No <laughs> okay. Weird thing in behind that. I don't like to cast a shadow when I fish, so <laughs> it's uh, just Shadowless seventy three. And I like to take pictures of where I'm going just to show people what I'm up to. Um, like tonight or tomorrow, I guess I'll probably be taking a lot of pictures of uh, Dwight Foster's um, event tomorrow, I'm meeting the some of the new MPPs that I know are going to be there tomorrow as well, which will be interesting. And I think if I'm hoping, I guess, if I find it interesting, I hope uh, some of the people on the Twitter machine uh, <laughs> find it interesting as well. And and if someone wants to email you, if they have any questions, uh, what? How should they do that? Yeah, it's uh, s McCabe at gfo.ca, and my cell phone number is 226-979-5581, and I have it on me all the time. So 10 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Anytime. <doesn't> <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> I have had calls, uh, not 10 o'clock, but 9 o'clock at night. So, um, And that and that's the, the neat thing about this job is, it's all hours, and when farmers think of something, they'll call, and that's great. Yeah, it's, it's great not to a nine-to-five job sometimes. Yeah, so. great. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Up next on the podcast, we have a conversation with Barry Semp, our CEO. Barry Semp, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario, joins our grain talk on the phone from Calgary now. Uh, Barry, you're, you've been traveling quite a bit the past couple of weeks in Calgary, as we said, and you've been to Saskatchewan. Tell us what's been going on with some of the meetings you've been involved with. Well, Grain Farmers of Ontario is uh, a member of a number of uh, national commodity organizations, and uh, 
being a uh, board member along with Mark Houston of Soy Canada. Last week we held our uh, annual general meeting in Regina. Again, uh, we uh, changed locations uh, uh, for the AGM and for our board meetings uh, in the uh, soy growing regions. Uh, Saskatchewan is um, coming into more and more production of uh, soybeans, although this year, given that there was some droughty uh, issues last year uh, affecting soybeans, production uh, is down a bit in Saskatchewan, but uh, we did hold our AGM in concert uh, with the um, uh, Western Progress Show. So that was uh, last week, along with the board touring some of the um, some of the soybean crops in around the area, including uh, the soybean crop that we have on our own farm. So, uh, so that was last week. Uh, this week, uh, Jeff Harrison and I were in Calgary at a Barley Council of Canada's uh, uh, board meeting. Jeff is our new uh, board representative uh, on that uh, on that board, replacing Marcus, and we attended that board meeting. So, yes, it has been a busy last couple of weeks. And one of the main issues that has been discussed out west is the discovery of GM wheat that was found in Alberta almost two weeks ago now. What's sort yeah. of been some of the conversations that you've had around that, and, and how in general do you feel the our industry here has handled uh, how the GM wheat discovery has affected our image on the wider international scale? Sure. Well, the first issue of finding GM wheat in Alberta was I think a bit surprising, seven or eight plants that were grown, uh, found on the roadside in a variety that hasn't been uh, registered uh, with CFIA. It uh, was uh, a Roundup trait that had been uh, tested back in 2002. So I think I think the first uh, big question is, is how did this non-registered variety with a Roundup trait come into existence? Uh, I think that's the first question. Uh, that said, it was found. I think CFIA and the Canadian Grain Commission uh, went to length in uh, making sure that there was uh, uh, none of this in any of our shipments of grain that had occurred or that it wasn't in the system, either in the uh, foundation seed system or um, in any shipments to uh, to our customers. Some of the, the ramifications of that were that uh, Japan uh, quickly closed their uh, their importation of uh, Canadian wheat into that country, along with South Korea. Uh, just in the last couple of days, though, South Korea has uh, opened up uh, uh, the importation of Canadian wheat again, given that uh, they reviewed the testing procedures and all the protocols around the uh, of what was done when the wheat was found. And since then, uh, and uh, going into the future, how wheat shipments will be tested uh, going into that country. So hopefully Japan won't be uh, long and they will be reopening that uh, that country for importation of Canadian wheat also. So that really shows the good system that we have here in Canada, being able to uh, trace our, our products and, and, and show that uh, we do have the good testing systems in place to, to prove the, the quality of our grain. Absolutely, Rachel. The, uh, you know, Canada prides itself on how we uh, have a consistency in our quality and our in knowing what we uh, have going forward through the registration system, uh, what have you. Uh, yes, hiccups do occur, and I think what's happened over the last uh, three or four weeks in regards to since this has come public, and even before that time of when it was found that uh, there was some GM plants uh, growing on the roadside, I think it is a testament to the uh, regulatory 
uh, infrastructure that we have in place to look after our customers. Now, speaking of regulations, we're hopeful that with a new Ontario government, uh, there's going to be some changes um, and some better working relationships that we can have with the government here in Ontario. Doug Ford's going to be sworn in as the Premier on Friday, uh, June 29th. Um, what are we hoping for as an organization working with this new government? Well, I think what we're looking forward to is some common sense coming in through uh, whatever issue we have uh, between grain farmers and the uh, government of Ontario. It's no uh, secret uh, that uh, we had some issues with the uh, Liberal government in in respect to uh, regulations uh, that were not uh, based on science, but were based more on philosophical uh, uh, issues by the government itself. So with the new government, uh, we're just hopeful that uh, common sense prevails. And um, it's not that we might not be at odds with the government, but I think that that said that we uh, we just expect that uh, government will listen to the issues that we face as grain farmers, and we will listen to what they have to say, and again, common sense prevails at the end of the day. Great. Thanks so much for your time today, Barry. If our farmer members uh, have any questions for Barry, they can give us an email, graintalk at gfo.ca. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests, Steve McCabe and Barry Semph, and thank you to our producer, Mark Carter. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Google Play and iTunes.